0: Hi, I'm here with Angie Brooks of Brooks & Scarpa Architects in Los Angeles. I've known Angie for many years and I'm going to interview her and we're sitting outside at the Monterey Design Conference, so if you hear the waves in the back, they are real. (laughs) (laughs) Angie, what are your first recollections of experiencing architecture?
1: So, my first recollections are actually not experiencing architecture per se. But being a high school student and wanting to do something with interior design. So Mm -hmm. I actually started my first year of college in the interior design program um, at the University of South Florida. And it was really a night school program. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life at that time. But Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to design something and spaces and kind of interior spaces really interested me so that's really where I started and when I um, got accepted to the University of Florida it was in the interior design program but there after two years you're supposed to declare a major Uh and I had a lot of mentors who were my professors who said I should really become an architect because Mm -hmm. if I become an architect I could do interiors and I could do landscaping could do other
0: things So that's really how I got on that Yeah. yeah And were those mentors women, or were they... No, they were all men, because when I
1: was in school, um, there were really no women
0: professors at the time. Uh, There was one Mm -hmm. who I remember, but only one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, What are three classic buildings that you like, and why? So, uh, the first one that I can think of is the Cocoon
1: House, which is a little house by Paul Rudolph in Florida, where I was born and raised, Mm -hmm. and it's... I think it's only 400 square feet or less. It's really tiny, Mm -hmm. and it's this small house on a dock that sits Mm -hmm. over a lake, Uh um, and it has this beautiful kind of canvas roof, or it had a canvas roof. So Uh it was a beautiful, beautifully designed house, Uh but it was of its place. So it was really a place for fishing, you know, and it shaded you, and it was just this beautiful modern kind of thing right on a dock, and Uh that was kind of my first really image of architecture, Uh of what I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, But you ask for three. You don't have to give me three. (laughs) I just say three
0: because it's usually difficult for architects to just give me one. (laughs) Yeah. So that was
1: one that really kind of influenced me. But I remember people always saying when I started architecture school, um, you know, who, which architect do you like or who do you like or who do you follow? Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking no one and I remember thinking that what I want to do is actually make cities better Uh and kind of work on these bigger ideas and I was a little bit anti um singular buildings so Uh I didn't want to say I preferred one building over another it was more about spaces and how people use spaces and how people use cities that I was more interested in Mm -hmm. what
0: about Hadrian's Villa well I've never been to Hadrian's Villa oh okay okay (laughs) You studied there, or No. You, did, you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the, okay. that class, no, uh, okay, no. okay, yeah. But I have been
1: to Barcelona and I have no, been to Italy, way. so I've seen these buildings that are very old. Mm-hmm. And you know, we used to build buildings that people were able to live in comfortably without all the mechanical electrical systems that we have today, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so you can pick whichever old oh. building you want, but you know, we used to build buildings a certain way and we sort of lost that. Our profession you know sort of forgot how to how to design buildings that way Mm -hmm. but what I remember from the University of Florida is that they would teach you to build regionally Mm -hmm. and that was kind of the word sustainable or building sustainably wasn't really in the lexicon then so it was about building regionally which is that whatever climate you're in that's how you should be designing your space so in Florida mm-hmm. you want to raise you know you want to build out a wood you want to raise it up off the ground you want breezes to flow through and you want everything to be shaded with these big porches mm-hmm. but if you're in um, another climate you want to do something different so I always thought that was a part of what an architect did without really talking about it mm-hmm. um, and then of course the 90s came and people were doing anything yeah. <laughs> anywhere yeah. and you know you just add your mechanical systems and so I think you know that's
0: something that was ingrained in us when we were. And first in school so we've mm. never forgotten that I think it was interesting I was at a, the Cran Symposium and one of the people who you know I mean he's a contractor but he's like into all of these systems mm-hmm. and everything and and he was and he was saying like oh so how should the building envelope be should it be really tight or it should be really open hmm and I was saying, open. And he's like, no, it should always be tight. And I was like, what? Like, we've been mm-hmm. living... Like, we have... Like, our heater has not worked for the past yeah. two years. Yeah. And we have no air conditioning in our house. You know? And, and of then, course, we're in Southern California. Mm-hmm. But still, yeah. I mean, it's totally... Well, and you know, Lake Flato just so showed that beautiful building in Texas
1: where it gets really cold. And they said mm-hmm. they did this breeze soleil, this, like, screen yeah. that lets air through yeah, it. Yeah, the 30%. But not the yeah. wind. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Yeah there definitely is a way that where buildings can breathe you know that makes sense Mm -hmm. and we can design passively
0: and we just need to start doing that more yeah yeah I totally agree so what do you like about being an architect
1: so what I like about being an architect is being able to show people the future Mm -hmm. because I think architects are optimists and I think you have to be because you design buildings that last into the future for mm-hmm. at least 60 years into the future. So whenever I think about designing a building, I think about 100 years into the future. And, you know, you have to be an optimist to think that you can actually create something out of nothing anyway. Yeah. You know, you're sort of dreaming yeah. this up. And it's not easy because it's a part, part art, part architecture, part kind of technical and science, and then mm-hmm. part design. And, you know, if, if it's not something you love, I think it's really difficult to do. So I guess what I like about being an architect is being able to show people what the future could look like. And mm-hmm. I think it makes more sense nowadays when we know the future is going to change, mm-hmm. right? We know change is coming, that we can, as a profession, those of us who are architects, can actually show people what good communities might look like in the future with yeah. climate change yeah. and with sea level rise. And I don't think anybody's actually
0: shown that yet, mm-hmm. but it's something that we could do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and what we build is is around for a long time so we have to be right. yeah we have to be, have thinking to be conscious about the future. of what we're yeah. doing yeah exactly yeah. Um, why did you decide to apply for fellowship and in the AIA and mm. what topic did you choose so the um, I
1: decided to apply for fellowship because of the lack of female representation in our profession mm-hmm. and um, I think less than three percent of female architects are actually fellows. I think that's the That's probably yeah, that's probably
0: true. Yeah. Um
1: so but you know beyond that there aren't many female architects. So mm-hmm. I did it for the generation that comes after me Mm -hmm. because I want women to know because I think you you have to see what you want to become. You need to see you in these role yourself Mm -hmm. in these roles. Yeah. And so I did it because of that and but also also going through the process really made me look back on the last twenty years of what I've done (laughs) and kind of put it into some kind of organized whole. And I remember doing it and then looking at it and thinking wow, there's really a lot of interesting (laughs) stuff I've been doing, you know. So it was really great to actually do it because it was sort of this, you know, process. Um, So that was really fun. But I did it under the practice object. Mm -hmm. Um, And partly it's because my partner is really the design kind of lead of our firm. Mm -hmm. And I'm really more interested in kind of how things fit together and to make our practice successful Mm -hmm. and how you have to – carry design through every phase of every project and it carries through your business Mm -hmm. and you know the practice of architecture if you don't have that you have nothing Mm -hmm. you can design and design and design but if you can't actually um, talk to clients and sign contracts and hire people and actually uh, produce buildings that are well designed you know, we don't want to actually design something that doesn't get built. So yeah. every client that comes to us, we make sure that that's something that can, can get built. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the, the design part of it is 5%, I think, of what we do, if you mm-hmm. look at it kind of on that scale. And 95% of what we do is not design per se. It's all the other parts of it, which is yeah. following yeah. your design through, to get the building built and talking to your multitude of consultants and doing everything else. So Mm -hmm. the person in the firm that does all that is me.
0: So I went for the practice side of things Mm -hmm. um, because that's kind of what I'm more and I still think that that's designing I still think that designing like all the way through I mean mm-hmm. it's 5% of like the design it's like okay mm-hmm. the schematic design of this but you're constantly designing a project depending mm-hmm. on what different oh, yeah. things have changed or you're adding something new to it so you have to change what you've already right. done or if
1: it's yeah. over budget you yeah. have to go back and you have to actually be able to prioritize what the most important part of the design is mm-hmm. so I think everybody who works with us they're all designers because if you can't know what the priorities are then you won't be able to actually you know move forward with yeah. anything yeah. so it's really knowing kind of and we heard some people talk today about kind of pairing things down to the simplest, you know, what is the priority, really, yes. which is about people and how they use the space. And so when mm-hmm. we do a project and if, if we need to change it, we always think about kind of the big picture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't necessarily care about the little details. Mm-hmm. So I don't really care if the material changes. What I care is that the space is there for people mm-hmm. to kind of be you know, yeah, and that the natural light gets into the spaces where people are, you know, that's yes. like the important yeah. thing for me. Yes. So yeah. if the, the opening change, is there, it's not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. It's more about the solids and the voids and yeah. kind of how people use the space. Yeah. But everybody in the office has to know that because mm-hmm. everybody has to make these little decisions all along the way mm-hmm. in order to get it done.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's how many in your firm now? So we have about 20 people now. We have a little mm-hmm. office in Florida.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's small, and we do projects that are very small and very big, but mm-hmm. I really like the size because I feel like, um, Larry and I can be a part of every single project in yeah. the office and everyone yeah. in the office can learn and be a part of every project that mm-hmm. we're working on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about the future of architecture? <laughs> so this is like, that's a big question. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I have been thinking about this a little bit because of climate change. hmm. And I was chair of the Committee on the Environment last year, and I still work with the committee this year, the National AIA Committee. Mm -hmm. And we just passed this big resolution, which is that, you know, climate change is this um, urgent crisis that we all have to kind of confront. And so the AIA is confronting it. And I think that architects are best suited to show people what the future is going to look like. And we are the ones who are going to be actually designing the future. And so... um, I really think that it's a huge challenge, but it's a huge opportunity for our profession to be able to show people what great communities are going to look like in the future, whether that's, you know, the city of Fort Lauderdale, which is going to be partly underwater, you know, in 20 years. So what is that going to look like? Or we know our economy is going to change. We know that our ecology is going to change, you know. So Mm -hmm. how are buildings going to kind of adapt and how are people going to adapt? Yeah. And so I think our profession is really well suited to um ants to solve a lot of the problems that are coming.
0: Mm-hmm. Um so I feel really optimistic about it. Yeah, I do too. I mean, cuz we're optimists, right? We're architects. Yeah, you have we're to optimists. be optimists, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like alchemy.
1: So my father was an English teacher and um one of his students wrote a book um a book of poetry called, you know, and he talked about how architecture is really alchemy so you basically what we do is we make something out of absolutely nothing right (laughs) and it's you know architects who you have to be an optimist to be able
0: to do that Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely well thank you very much Angie is there anything else you want to say
1: no I think that's it
0: no yeah you enjoying the conference yeah yeah Yeah. so who's your favorite speaker for today oh my gosh (laughs)
1: so I don't have a favorite but what I do know is that Everyone talked about where they came from, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, yeah. So they talked about how they were architects and you know, all of their work over the past you know, 15 or 20 years, mm-hmm. and how it was really tied to their childhood and where they came from. But everyone, the common theme was that we are building for people, spaces mm-hmm. for people,
0: yeah.
1: and that really came through. So, um, I don't know, to me this is just a great conference because it's in this beautiful setting.
0: Uh, And, you know,
1: Julia Morgan's um, great uh, buildings Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's this kind of social space and everyone talking and kind of sharing ideas. Mm -hmm. It's like camp. It's like camp for architects. (laughs) 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 You know, so it really clears
0: your mind, you know, and lets you think about what's important in life. Definitely. No, I I really enjoy. I need. Yeah, I really enjoy coming here. This is my first MDC as an architect I did come as a spouse even though I mm-hmm. was an architect but mm-hmm. we had a newborn so right, right. <laughs> yeah, so, so we've been it? coming I yeah. think
1: for eight times which would be 16 years and our son's 19 oh, yeah. I think he started coming here when he was three mm-hmm. really? which is a long time so
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I can't believe we're kids of this old anyway okay well thank you very much Auntie. you're welcome <laughs> okay bye-bye <laughs> bye-bye